What's up, food friends? Welcome to the show. I have an incredible interview for you guys today. This is my new friend, Paula. She is a new dietitian, former model. Her story is powerful and there's so much in it. And it's really cool to see how she took her past history and her disordered relationship with food and has now molded it into a career serving and helping others. Guys, it's so great. And I'm really glad you guys are here today. And just one quick note on her story because she was in the modeling industry. I want to give a little trigger warning that we do talk about some numbers and some stats that she had to meet while she was in that field. So if that's something that triggers you and puts you down a not so healthy mental space, you might want to skip this episode. But if you're ready for it, just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Okay, but before we dive in, I have to tell you guys thank you. Thank you so much for this incredible year. Podcasting has been such an exciting experience, and it's all because of you guys, your stories, you sharing how this podcast has impacted you. It's just been incredible. So to thank you guys, I have a gift for you this holiday season. Also because I'm crazy Christmas person. Like, yeah, the kind of Christmas person that sings Christmas carols beginning November 1st. Yeah, they're already playing in my car. We're seeing a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I've got my solar-powered lights in the mail ready to put on my car as soon as they are on my doorstop. Thank you, Amazon, for the two-day delivery. (laughs) Super excited for this season. To thank you guys, I've put together a health and nutrition advent calendar as we count down to my favorite holiday of the year. Be sure you're following me at JessBrownRD. I'm going to be dropping daily nutrition, facts, tips, all the good things to keep you motivated and keeping your relationship with food throughout the holiday season empowered and exciting because one of my biggest hopes and prayers for y'all this season is that you can enjoy the season for what it is balancing both discipline and permission throughout the whole holiday season and really the whole year enjoying all the cookies the buckeyes I mean all the good food and yet at the same time still taking care of yourself still showing up to move your body to give yourself high quality nutrition So that we don't hop back on this pendulum swing of like eating all the things and then feeling like we have to pay for it or punish ourselves come January. So my treat to you guys, again, connect with me at JessBrownRD on Instagram or Fuel Her Awesome on Facebook. And guys, if you haven't yet grabbed my three steps to empowered eating, it is totally free to you guys. I just put this resource together because I really wanted to make sure everybody had the blueprint on how to move towards empowered eating today. So be sure you grab that again, JessBrownRD.com. You can download it for free right on the homepage. Being a part of your journey is an honor and it's something I don't take lightly. And yeah, just feeling very grateful for all of you today. Hi. I started working with Jess over COVID. So the first few times we met were over Zoom and right away I knew we were going to be a great fit. Jess is super personable. You also know there's no judgment at all. You know, she really allowed me to express myself and I got to tell her what I really needed help from. And she was so supportive and helped me as an athlete understand how to fuel myself better, as well as deal with my other um, food issues. I finally got to meet Jess in person later on, and it was so much fun being in person with her, talking to her. Jess really is the best. I loved working with Jess. She gave me great recommendations for things. We really talked through all of the processes of my issues and what was going on and kind of got to the root of everything. And yeah, she was always super supportive and would check in with my new fueling plans. I just felt really heard and she was so supportive throughout the whole process. And yeah. 
What's up, food friends? Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Jazz, and if you're new here, I'm so happy you are here. I am a body bully warrior, food freedom guru, nutrition nerd with a capital R D. Get it for registered dietitian. I am here to help you become an empowered eater. I'm dishing out nutrition fun with a side of science as we learn how to let go of guilt and that all or nothing mentality. I'm an eating disorder and insecurity-filled girl turned energizer bunny who just has an insatiable appetite for life. I'm a speaker, founder, and certified eating disorder and sports nutrition specialist. I'm fueled by faith, delicious food, and lots and lots of fun. I am in your corner cheering you on because I know you have this inner awesome and we just need to fuel it right. We need to fuel it with the right food, the right mental thoughts, the right relationships. I'm here to fuel your awesome with the nutrition info that supports you, empowers you, mental strength training, and confidence that radiates regardless of your body shape. You know you hold an inner awesome, and I know you know this because you're here. You downloaded this podcast, you're listening, you're tuning in. So if you're ready to be the healthiest version of yourself, here we go. Food freedom means food is just food, and you can channel that energy you used to use to obsess about food in your body. Now we take that energy and we can channel it towards serving your purpose, your family, your work, your inner awesome. It's so crazy how there's this ripple effect when we allow ourselves to be the healthiest version of ourselves. Our family feels it, our work feels it, girls the world needs it. I'm stoked to be in your corner. Be sure to connect with me on Instagram at JessBrownRD or check out all my resources at JessBrownRD.com. All right, Superwoman, are you ready to channel that inner awesome? We're going to take it up to the next level. Grab a cup of coffee, lace up your running shoes, let's dive in to today's show. What's up, food friends? I am so excited. I have a super special treat for you guys today. She is a new friend of mine, Paula, founder of Happy Nutrition, a private practice located in New York City. Guys, she has a really cool story. When she messaged me in my inbox, I I was kind of packed for the year. I didn't have a lot of space for interviews, but just a few sentences from her, and I was like, I've got to get this girl on the show, and I want to learn more about why she does what she does. Before she started her journey towards becoming a dietitian, she actually worked in the model industry all over the world. This experience allowed her to live in many places around the globe, but it really came with a lot of pressure to look a certain way, which you guys know we talk a lot about on this show. Up until her early 20s, she was a chronic dieter and always looking for like the hottest diet trends. I mean, pretty much the same stuff we've all done, but she was in the middle and the thick of it. So today, this helps her help others as she supports clients to avoid the misery that she went through. She believes because she lived it, that being healthy doesn't mean shrinking yourself and that being healthy is only possible when you truly enjoy your lifestyle. So Paula, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me and for this great intro. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm super excited to dive into your story. Now, first of all, are you from New York City? Have you always lived there? No, I am. I'm pretty new to the city, actually. I just moved here in 2018 uh, for my master's degree. So where are you originally from? So I am um, I am German. And my parents are Polish, so um, they immigrated to Germany. Uh, I was born there, first-generation German, and now I immigrated to the U.S. So. That's wonderful. How's it adjusting to New York City? 
yeah, it's been fun. It was actually, I, I didn't really plan on moving to New York City. It wasn't like a huge, there wasn't a lot of intention involved into moving here. I kind of applied to the graduate program uh, at NYU in public health. Um, and I assumed I wouldn't get in. I thought it's just, I'll just try and see what happens. And then I was so surprised I got in and, and, um, and then I thought I, I just have to try and pursue this. And it was a kind of a crazy move and um, with a lot of obstacles, but now I'm on the other side and I did it. And um, I'm actually pretty proud of it. Yeah, I, I would be. I surprisingly fell in love with the city. I mean, I visited New York City before just as a tourist and I liked it, but I never thought, oh my God, I want to live here. And then I moved here and started living here and were just so many little things that I really liked and now I'm probably staying for <laughs> you're there to stay for good huh yeah oh that's awesome yeah I can imagine that would be quite overwhelming to move there and not know a lot of people but yeah I mean you get into something like NYU for your master's degree you go right you do you just do it you give it a shot <laughs> yeah I was like I, I have to try this this is an opportunity I can't just pass on it um so I'm, I'm glad it worked. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on all of it. <laughs> Thank you. Now, you're a fellow dietitian, and you became a dietitian just within the last year. And I love to ask all my new dietitian friends this. Do you have, like, one of those random food facts that just stuck with you? I mean, most of us at some point in our schooling and our education, it's like we hear this food fact, and we're like, that's incredible. And it kind of cultivates our love for, <laughs> for food and what we do. Do you have one of those? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's many cool food facts. Food is really fascinating. So, <laughs> so it's always hard to just pick one fact that's the most interesting. Um, but I think something that really surprised me personally um, is the fact that food actually tastes different when you're on the airplane. And it's like a scientific thing where because of the altitude and the pressure and the, the dry air, uh, your taste buds are less sensitive. There's apparently research on that. And um, you taste salt and sweet things less. Um, wow. And I remember looking that up because I always have such strange food cravings when I fly or I enjoy things that I would never enjoy otherwise. And I looked it up <laughs> and when I found out that it's actually um, proven by science that things do taste different and you might need more salt or because you just don't taste it that much. I was like, wow, that's so crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> that's so impressive. Yeah. I'm thinking, cause we actually just got back um, from a trip. I took my boys on their first flight, but I'm thinking now I'm like, this might be a good time to introduce them to some new, like more robust flavors <laughs> while we're on the plane. Cause they'll be <laughs> it tastes a little diminished. That's fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I always want to drink tomato juice on a plane. It's it's one of those classic things. And I would I really don't like tomato juice normally. <laughs> and I was that's why I was looking it up. And it turns out it just tastes different. That's so fascinating. Okay, I'm gonna think of that now next time I fly. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so I want to dive into your story, Paula, because it is super unique um, in the sense that you actually lived in the like thick of diet culture and this pressure to be thin, the focus on physique. So tell me just a little bit about um, how you got into the modeling industry and what it was like for you as you entered that world. 
Yeah, um, I think it started off very um, normal. Like it was, I was approached by many um, agents or like modeling scouts they're called and they asked me I was 12 13 and they were asking me if I ever thought about it they kept giving me their cards so at some point I talked to my mom and I was like I think I want to try this sounds like so much fun and especially when you're at that age like 12 13 you're just like starting to change and you want people to like you and all these things so I thought it would be such a great way to do something awesome to try modeling and then for a few years I just did um I worked with a very small agency and of course I was just a child so I did um very small publications like teenage magazines and things like that um but then after a while I again talked to my mom and I told her I think I'm ready to take this to the next level I've been doing it on a small scale for so long and I'm I think I was around 14 15 and I wanted to um, work with a bigger agency have more opportunities and really make it a career and I think that's really where everything truly started uh, with the pressure and um, you know when it got really serious yeah so what was the biggest shift in like messages you received from the, the industries you were working in when you made that switch yeah, I think as long as it was just kind of small publications, teenage magazines, it was all about fun for me. And my agency wasn't pressuring me a lot. Um, they, yeah, they just kind of let me be. And, was, you know, of course, um, I was also a gymnast back then. Mm -hmm. So um, I was doing my sports and they hired me for a lot of things that involved me dancing in the shoots and moving and I love that um but then as as I changed to that like more serious agency all of that changed um there was of course that talk about measurements much more than before um and then even with my sports they were kind of saying that you know there's a little bit too much muscle in the legs and they might be a little slimmer if I don't do too much sports and things like that and wasn't as encouraged anymore it was less of that fun part and more of this is a job now and it's really serious yeah that's it and that's a tough transition I would imagine to make in like at age 15 and 16 still so young and impressionable because you're wanting to do well I imagine that was that was a tough transition. What were some of the red flags, Paula, that started popping up where you started thinking like, this isn't a healthy path for me to be going down? Well, I think for a really long time, I didn't really have, like I wasn't aware. And I think especially, I just grew up around that diet culture, like most of us, like my mom always being on a diet too, and always talking about body and her body or like how she has to fit into those small pants you know all these things that we're exposed to and I just thought it's such a normal thing and um like I said I joined that new agency I was 15 and they immediately said that my hip my hips are like two centimeters too big which is really small <laughs> two centimeters like centimeters yes oh my um, gosh 
because and they put me on a diet i mean right now being a dietitian i know how harmful that was but then i didn't even think about it i was like 15 they gave me this diet like a printout it wasn't personalized or anything they just gave me and it was like i remember 1500 calories and it was high protein low carb and and I just, I was like, great, I'm going to eat this now. And then I lost a ton of weight. Everybody was so happy. And that should have been a red flag, but it wasn't because I was just so oblivious. I thought everything right. is great. And um, also that like belief where we think the smaller we are, the healthier we are, which a lot of people are stuck in that. And um, I was just thinking just, the more I can shrink my body, the better because yeah, right. Um yeah, well, so the two centimeters, I mean, are there specific standards that you had to meet um, in terms like specific body measurements that you had to reach? Um, yeah, I mean, for for most of the measurements, they weren't that specific, but I just have bigger hips naturally. And that kind of comes out in puberty. Like you don't know when you start at 13, what your body is going to look like. There's okay. um those changes that happen and so um my hips just grew um and of course like the standard is or was back then I don't know apparently it's changing now so I'm not gonna say it's okay but back then the standard was that you're not like not supposed to be over 90 centimeters um in your hips which is I think 35 34 35 inches Okay. Um, it's tiny, uh, but that's kind of like, you know, the size zero measurement. And like, mm-hmm. if you're bigger, you're not going to fit into any of the clothes. But this is regardless like, of your height, right? Like this is. Yeah, but which, there's of course, like technically there is a height requirement, a minimum, but yeah, it is regardless of your height. And considering that the most agencies want you to be at least five nine I think that's oh very small yes. so, so um yeah and that I mean they gave me like they didn't give me a lot of tools other than just a diet right restrict um, your calories to this kind of cookie cutter 1500 calorie blueprint that we're going to put you on and so that initially led to the results that they were looking for but in your story, tell me a little bit about what this did for you and your relationship with food. Well, I think it was kind of like the starting point of something bigger because especially at that at that vulnerable age of kind of 15 and people like people are so important, like what people think about you is so important at that age. So just being reinforced for that weight loss, like seeing that people get excited and they ask me questions and they notice and they give me compliments. Um, And even some people that were concerned that were asking if I'm okay, because like I'm very skinny and I'm not eating a lot. It was that attention that was exciting in a way. Um, So I think it was really a starting point of like using food as a way to um, have that control over my body and um, get attention and um, but also just learning that being small and um, restricting food um, is good. Um, So And if I do that, like the more I lose weight or lose a few centimeters or something, um, the more successful I will be. Mm. Um, So it always became that um, 
whenever I had like a bigger job coming up or something, I would then like restrict because that w- I was so conditioned to think that um, it would help me. Yeah, yeah. And you hit on something that I think is important to highlight is like it got you positive attention in the modeling industry, but it also got like gave you some of this negative attention, but it was still attention, right? Like people checking in on you. And that's something I notice with a lot of the folks I work with who have eating disorders is like that attention, positive or negative, people worried about like it's all attention and it's like a cry for help in a way of like, I need to be seen, I need to be heard. And yeah, it can be really tricky, right? Oh, and I'm just, I'm imagining like all of this and I'm sitting here talking to you now, but I'm going, oh my gosh, you were 15. That's crazy. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of like, my body was definitely trying to do something about it and counter-regulate because I mean, I was at 15, we all like as dietitians, we know how much energy you need for all these things that are growing and changing. And it's such an important period of growth. Um, so it was definitely a huge, uh, you know, restrict and binge cycle because it was just so hard for me to maintain that restriction and that low body fat. That was definitely not what I needed at that time um, in my life. So I do remember those, you know, really restricting for for a certain job or to, you know, the, like when I was traveling, the agencies that like in Paris or somewhere needed my measurements, so they had to be perfect. And then like once it was all done, I would just eat and it was crazy, like eat until it hurts or, you know, and then of course that guilt and the whole cycle starts and it was just, it took so long to get out of that mentality. Um, But it was just my body like trying to adjust and do something to to help me grow and be healthy. (laughs) Right. Like the things you were doing were keeping it like in this cage and then yeah you get oh the green light to eat and the cycle just perpetuates and it gets deeper so how did you finally start to move away from this Paula like at what point did you go this is not healthy I mean at age 15 that's hard to see but at what point did you actually start making steps to move out of this industry and look at health differently yeah I mean I think it was also gradual it was very the more like at some point I started realizing this is not like First of all, it's not fun. I hate the way that my relationship with food is totally messed up. And I knew it as I was in it, like mm-hmm. many people do, but like then it takes a while to actually be ready to, to change it. And I just really, I think the whole modeling thing started as like, oh, this is fun. I want to try it. And then I want to try more. And then it became so serious. And I realized this was fun, but I'm not passionate enough. Like fashion isn't my, my huge passion. Like I didn't know a lot of the designers I worked with and people would tell me that it's like super inappropriate to not know the names and I was like I don't know like I don't care (laughs) right something that I wanted to have fun and like maybe sometimes when you're exposed to something you didn't expect and then it becomes fun and you get into it but it was just not me um and I didn't like how serious it was and how much pressure there was on me and And I wanted to like go back to school and study and do other things. But like my agencies were very, um, even when I got, went back to school, I I wanted to do both. Like when I went back to my undergrad, um, 
I wanted to still do modeling again for fun, mm -hmm. but it was so hard to communicate that because of course the agencies see you as kind of like a product or marketing mm -hmm. um, and they got, get all these offers for you and you could do all these great things and make all that money for them and be a face for them. So they just keep pushing you. So there was no way for me to kind of do both. And I think that's when I realized that um, I was already like studying nutrition back in Germany and trying to combine the two. And then there was still so much pressure, even though I kept communicating, I don't want to do this as a big career. I'm the, I don't want the big jobs. I just want, you know, just send me something that's local. Um, there's plenty of stuff, um, but they just were so eager to push me for the big stuff. And then at some point I had to say, this is not going to work. Um, and it was definitely tough, but I think that was really where things started changing for me because as long as I was in it, even though I was trying to get away from that whole mentality, it's so hard because you're still in it. Um, so it was really just saying, you know what, I quit. Like, that's it. I'm not doing any, like, not even small things, nothing. I'm just going to quit this and totally, like, change everything. Wow. Yeah, because I, I am imagining you, in, and I'm thinking of my own nutrition um, education background and going through it. And so much of what we learn, like, contradicts what you were being told to do in the modeling industry. And to have, like, one foot in each would be so strange, I would think. Because it's like, on, on the one day we're learning, you're learning about macronutrient balance and how to maximize micronutrient intake and prevent disease. And on the other hand, it's like, no, look this way, you know, and, and then the time's demanding. So I could see how that would be really challenging. So you finally just said, okay, I've got to choose, chose the career that you had more passion about. And then tell me about how this changed your relationship with food as you went through um, your schooling. Yeah. I mean, I think when I started my um, undergrad and nutrition that was very different like I was definitely so I was like one of those people I thought I was very healthy but I was doing things that are actually unhealthy like I thought it's healthy to cut out things like gluten-free and dairy-free and um, I thought I needed superfoods and I was super into that and and then um, as I like started learning about nutrition in my undergrad I started realizing a lot of things and like what you said, what we learn in the classes and, and the balance and like how, you know, it's not about cutting things out. And then I remember one of the most eye-opening classes I took was I took a class in eating behavior, which was required for everybody in my undergrad. It wasn't even an elective. And I learned all these things about like um, eating disorders and like, you know, binge eating and that. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I was doing. <laughs> Isn't that so true? I mean, we don't even know it's disordered. I was the same way. I was like, oh, wait, this isn't normal to do this stuff. Like, I thought this was healthy because I ate too much. I thought you were supposed to do something about it. Isn't it? It's humbling, though, right? To all of a sudden go, wait a second. This is attached to anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, binge eating disorder. Like, it, it's really crazy to see it in, like, the yeah. diagnostic criteria. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I remember learning about that. And, you know, that the big study back in the day where like they didn't give people food and then they all got like so obsessed with food. And I was like, wow, that makes so much sense. And so I think that was my like, biggest moments in which like something like 
changed in my mind where I was like, I, I really have to um, change how I see food. And I think there was, there was also a period like after I um, graduated from my um, undergrad in Germany, I actually didn't want to be a dietitian or be so much involved in the, um, in that uh, field, like working with giving people advice about food. I was like ready to move on. And that's why I got my master's degree in public health. Mm -hmm. um, and I really only got back on track to becoming a dietitian because I saw that there's actually in the US, it's just so different. And that's why I wanted to do it here because there's so many more opportunities to do mm -hmm. other things and work with clients in a different way and um, you know through counseling and helping people see all these things that we see yeah. that we realize but um, there was a big period like a long period in my life where I actually didn't think I wanted to be a dietitian because I was ready to disconnect myself from this whole like eating what should I eat what shouldn't I eat and just thinking about that all the time um, it was just exhausting for me. Well, you had done it for so long in an unhealthy way. And then I would think, I mean, I think this even now, sometimes focusing on it, even in a healthy way, gets exhausting too, right? Like focus over focusing on anything can be draining. Um, I'm just curious. So in Germany, what kind of career paths do dietitians have that's so different than compared to here in America? I think it's just the, the kind of the profession is structured in a completely different way. So dietitians, there's, they don't really work in like clinical settings. Mm -hmm. It's more of a private sector uh, job, or then you go into the industry, like the food industry or mm. um, food safety and, and things like that. There's, that's the thing. There wasn't really that like dietitian as a health provider career path for me um, and I think it's also the attitudes are different in Germany where people in my opinion um, aren't as open to um, counseling um, mm. and they're not so interested in like dietitian services um, in that sense um, so I just saw myself really stuck in, in career options that weren't interesting uh, where I couldn't kind of do my own thing and also know that there's going to be an interest um so yeah that I think it's yeah I was gonna say that makes sense because you got back into it because you're so passionate about it and then the the way you wanted to help people which was essentially not go down the same sorts of disordered behaviors and paths you went down couldn't do that there that makes a lot of sense yeah it's it's just because it's not so common to go and I think the culture in general is not so much about like seeking help or like improving things mm. that that don't work it's just more about doing the same old <laughs> gotcha well now you're here and you've opened up your own private practice and are really working to help women overcome insecurities and this idea that being healthy means shrinking yourself, which was a lot of what you struggled with and had to overcome yourself. So how does this help you help your clients um, just pulling on all that experience? Um, I think it's, it's really just coming from a compassionate place and understanding where people are at. I think just because 
it also took like it was so many years and I I, I do feel like I'm one of those people <laughs> like I've tried everything <laughs> and even when I was like trying to eat better or eat healthier I fell into the the whole like trap of like believing all this like marketing I remember looking up things like what should I eat which foods do I cut out to be healthy and just like that belief where like we have to do all these special things to eat healthy and just I was really struggling even as I was trying to get better mm-hmm. um, and where I made a promise to myself okay I'm going to fuel myself but I'm going to do it right so that now I have to google all these things that mm-hmm. I have yeah do. right <laughs> then it, again the hyper fixation right yeah and then I'm like okay I'm going to be vegan because it's the, the healthiest or like the best and then also gluten is bad for me and I should like drink this lemon juice water or like every now and then do a cleanse and like all these crazy messages that we get <laughs> online like even when you have good intentions it's just so hard to find something that works so I think just well none um, of it's sustainable none of it is where yeah. it's like kind of the re- I mean it's not quite as damaging I mean at least if you're choosing foods that are healthy it's not as um you know I don't think it's as dangerous as restricting and but you're still like towing the line of orthorexia then where it's yeah. like this unsustainable relationship with food yeah and it's it's exhausting mentally I think especially I mean I remember I was so obsessed with like eating right that I wouldn't even like go out for food with my friends Mm -hmm. anymore because I then I remember I had this whole thing where I I read somewhere that salt is so bad so I didn't want to eat anything with salt so I couldn't go to any restaurant yeah (laughs) and I think a lot of people are at Mm -hmm. that point where because the media is really overwhelming and I hear that from my clients all the time where they're like oh my god that sounds so easy I thought that eating healthy was so complicated and I think a lot of people are at that point where it's just overwhelming to see all these things and you don't know what to do and every outlet is pushing something else on you and those crazy headlines where you know, eating hot dogs kills you now. Or oh, I know that one was insane. Did you look that that one up? Did you look that? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think I just briefly looked at it. I didn't spend too much time on it, but I think it was just a very flawed reporting. Yeah, um, it was. We actually we did a whole podcast on it with uh, my team where we all broke it down. So if, if you guys haven't listened to it yet, go. I think it was episode like thirty six. But um, the article is actually fascinating, like how much work they put into it. But here's what the media did is they took that the like one and most negative element of that whole report and highlighted it. There was also on there that eating peanut butter and jelly adds. It was like 30 minutes or two minutes. I can't remember, but like (laughs) peanut butter and jelly adds to your life. And there was a lot of like different spins I think they could have put on it. But to your point, they grab the negative one that f- makes us afraid and it like keeps us paralyzed, which it really sucks because like you said, it's exhausting and it impacts how we interact with people and being able to go out with our friends and can't have salt. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's overwhelming. So this helps you help your clients because you you were in the thick of it for so long. So how do you communicate nutrition and meal plans when you're working with people? I think you try to have a very like personalized approach to each person I work with. So, um, I mean, this, my story kind of helps me understand people, but I don't really like share that with my clients a lot. It's not like, oh, I've been there, like just do what I did. Cause I mean, I know it was hard 
to get where I'm at now. And it took learning about food for like years. So mm -hmm. of course it's not that, but um, I think it's more about seeing every person as an individual and seeing where they are at and meeting them there. I think it's really hard to uh, work with people um, in the way that I want to work with people if there was like a standardized way because mm -hmm. everybody's just so different and everybody has such a different like knowledge or readiness to like move on from certain behaviors um so I think that's that and even with like meal planning like that's not something that I would offer to all of my clients because for some clients it could be very damaging to have to follow something right. Right. Um, but then some people have such a like disordered relationship with what should I eat? What should I not eat? That like following something that I give them for a week or two really helps to understand again, like what is mm -hmm. normal eating? Although normal is a bad word here because that's not. <laughs> yeah, there is. Well, it can recalibrate it and help yeah. like just realign with what they're feeling. And it's funny you say that about the meal plans. I'll never forget my, this was my first like few months. I was so excited. I was a dietitian. I was going to help people. And one of my friends was like, Hey, can you write me a meal plan? And this was like the first one on my own. Right. And I was like, yeah, I wasn't going to charge him because it was a learning experience for me. And I poured so much time and energy into this. And I made him like this beautiful five day menu, like calculated to the gram of macros for him with optimal micronutrient intake. And he didn't follow a single day of it and, and and not because not because you know he didn't appreciate it but because it didn't fit his lifestyle like yeah. I did all the science and I followed all the stuff we learned in school and it was beautiful like I would have gotten an a plus for sure <laughs> but yeah. that's not life and that's not like count bringing in people's like capacity and experience and their relationship with food and what their life looks like and what I love about your style based on, and I just hear this in the way you talk about foods, it sounds like you're like, how can I make eating easier for you? Like, how can I just make you have this sustainable relationship with food so you don't have to obsess about it? Yeah. Yeah. I think even with the clients that I do, like I help them through like meal planning is um, I help them kind of get back on track because some mm -hmm. people come to me and they they have been off schedule for so long. They only eat one meal a day or something. And they, they yeah. ask me to like help them understand like what it would be like to, I don't know, have breakfast again or, you know, <laughs> right? things like that. And, um, and I think it's just, I never put like um, calories or macros on there. Um, and some people are scared. They're like, are you sure this is too right. much? But then I'm just like, just trust me. Like, I think you're going to feel fine. Or it might feel funny for the first few days to actually eat. Um, but just, you know, listen to your body. And then I kind of transition out of that. Like, I try to teach people this is what eating could look like. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to look like this. They're all, like, very flexible. It's mm -hmm. always, I always tell them, if you don't like it, like, don't eat it or leave some on your plate or have some extra like it's not it's not like you have to follow it religiously right, this is right. kind of like all suggestions and meal ideas for people who have cut out so many foods out of their diets that they don't even know how to eat them anymore I'm right. Giving you ideas, right and, they, but, and what you said I love what you said like what does your body say about it and that's a lot of what I talk about here is like what's your biofeedback and it's just crazy that we take that off like the table in 
what we decide to how and how we decide to navigate food. It's like, we don't care what our body says about what we eat. We just want to know, like, what does the latest diet tell us we should eat to, to do whatever we're trying to do? So yeah, I think, I think that's incredible. More dietitians like you. Yay. <laughs> so I want to ask you one final question, Paula. Um, what do you hope to give others in your new career as a dietitian that you didn't receive as you began, began your career as a model? Like, what is it that you're really hoping to give, um, to the people you work with? I think it is showing people that eating healthy doesn't mean eating less or cutting things out and that it doesn't have to be complicated. Um, and that health is so much more than we look like because many people, look in a way that society perceives as perfect but what we don't know is that they do a lot of very unhealthy things to look that way and their body is like screaming for help and somehow we glorify that and I think I want to take that mentality like I really want to get rid of that mentality that like somehow we can see health and that being small is healthier somehow um because I think that's really unfortunate that we still see things that way. It's so good. That's so good. Well, I am loving the mission that you are on and wish you the best of luck. And if people want to connect with you more, Paula, how can they find you? Yeah. So they can check me out on Instagram. It's happy underscore nutrition. And it's written like happy with a P. I'm, I don't know. You're probably going to put it. In your yeah, I'll put it in. So it's H-A-P-P-E-A and I'll definitely link yeah. it in the show notes. Yeah. And then of course my website, you can check out my website and generally you can find me across many social media channels like Twitter or Facebook, but I'm most active on Instagram. So I would suggest checking it out there. Awesome. Well, yes, like I mentioned, I'll be sure to link all that. Thank you so much, Paula. For Well, first of all, thank you for being a voice that has had this experience and now gives permission to look at health differently. And I just think there's so much power in your story. So thank you for being on this mission. And thank you for your time today and sharing, sharing the story with us. Yes, of course. And thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.